In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. Will you Who shut is up, your man? Listen. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamarez. And the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit going on in the news brought to you by your three funniest friends. Which is us. Which is us That's today. You, yes. <laughs> Add me on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put that. Yeah. I mean, is that where you would say your funniest, Millie, is on Facebook? Those that's where no. the conspiracies are. We know you. No, that is um no, I'm funniest on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but Facebook is where I'm like, okay, this person from my high school is breaking up or <laughs> Or my cousin's ex-wife is ex-wife is really she lost weight and she's doing great. She's thriving without my cousin and her new husband. They wear matching outfits on their vacations. That's what I go to Facebook for. Yeah. Mill- Millie, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you also operate your MLM off of Facebook. <laughs> Which one? Which one? <laughs> I have many. I have many MLMs. No, so there's okay. I'm like I get hurt because, you know, people target me for MLMs. I'm sure people target everyone. <laughs> but one time somebody DM'd me on LinkedIn and was like, I have a great job opportunity for you. And then it was an MLM. Oh, my no. God. That you cannot me. do that on LinkedIn. That no. is wrong. That's You're not up. even safe on LinkedIn. I think somebody's going to start. I bet people will start doing that to Miss Emily Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god girl i heard you're looking for a new opportunity boy have i got something for you <laughs> emily murphy starts selling lularoe leggings out of her <laughs> let me tell you something okay first of all as someone who was you know famously uh de facto president of the gay straight alliance mm-hmm. you know as someone who is also chubby as someone who also first of all emily's an embarrassment to everyone with gap teeth she is ruining the you know everyone knows gap teeth people trustworthy and she is ruining it for mm-hmm. all of us and yep. also all chubby dsa people who are in charge of gay straight alliances and <laughs> oh <government>. man <laughs> billy is very specifically wounded by, by emily murphy's <laughs> presence uh, we will be talking a lot about emily first let's get into i have you guys been feeling festive i've been feeling fairly festive i feel like today was the day where it turned where yeah Tuesday before Thanksgiving is always where I start feeling the festive energy. Yeah, absolutely. Thanksgiving was so cool because, like, I feel like November is so, like, busy usually. And, like, everyone's trying to do the stuff before the end of the year. So Thanksgiving was always looked forward to. It's like, oh, I can just, like, chill and, like, watch TV and be in my apartment. But it's kind of not really breaking anything. So that's why it kind of feels weird this year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm not like, oh, I'm so excited to binge watch everything I've been too busy to see. No, it's done. I'm done. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. 
There's nothing. So speaking of festivities, the White House Christmas tree has arrived. This is only notable because it will be the last White House Christmas for Melania, but the first since audio tapes revealed her saying, nobody gives a fuck about Christmas stuff. <laughs> you know what was crazy to me? Because I was writing the newsletter this morning, and I, I went to look back up when her saying, nobody gives a fuck about Christmas stuff, or who gives a fuck about Christmas, whatever the exact quote is. Yeah. I went to look back at when that happened. And that happened in October. I was like, <laughs> it got totally buried because it, it happened moments before we got the news that Trump had COVID. So exactly. that story got totally yeah. buried. Everyone forgot it. I was talking to my mom the other day and she was like, yeah, your dad showed me this fake video of Melania talking. It was a deep fake. It was like, mother, no, that no, was, was real. That was but real. I really <laughs> appreciated my mom had like the media literacy to think it was. Yeah. A- <laughs> well, it was, you know what it was? It was like, the ta- the seven hundred fifty dollar tax thing, oh, yeah, then right. then that then COVID. So it was buried between two big stories. Yeah, it was like the the meh kind of fun filling of an otherwise very hearty sandwich. I thought it was interesting. I mean, that whole thing. Her her former best friend. She snitched on her, but then also like, yeah, if you're an asshole, you're gonna be around assholes. Yeah, that's true. I think the comment. It's the most honestly likable thing that she's said because I could imagine myself as first lady being like, I got to do all this fucking Christmas stuff. Who gives a fuck about Christmas stuff? The bad stuff she said was when she was like, I don't care about the kids at the border. <laughs> like, yeah, had she not continued the sequence, it would have mostly been funny. looked great. It would have put a sheen on her. But yeah. I don't give a fuck about Christmas or kids in cages. And I was like, oh, well. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that she followed it up. Uh, by reminding Very. us uh, how cold-hearted she is towards the children at the border, because otherwise it would have—I I, would have honestly been like, I mean, I get what I get what Melania is yeah. saying. It's probably really annoying to have to do all this Christmas shit if you don't really care about. Well, Christmas. the thing about the border is like she wasn't even like cold-hearted. It's like she sincerely feels like this is the best way to handle it. She's like, I, we can't do anything. I mean, they're trying to do everything legally and they're living better than they would, blah, blah, blah. Like, even that is more sick than like... Yeah, she wasn't even saying she didn't care. She was like, no, 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 I don't see what the problem is. They're fine. Yeah, Very exactly. well taken care of. She give me a break about... That's true. Was like, that was pretty was cold. Like, Everyone says that I'm like, that I'm complicit. Give me a break. And I'm like, oh my God, girl, yeah. you should have just left it at fuck Christmas. Well, Truly. she thought she was talking to her homegirl, but then... Her homegirl was taping her because they threw her under the bus with all that, like... With the inauguration. Like, with the, uh, the inauguration, which was crazy. So, yeah, yeah I'm going to start video... T- Don't do that, Elise. I'll start record. I'll start screenshotting <laughs> well, all the shady text that you... <laughs> okay, well, we've started recording our conversations now, so... <laughs> <laughs> that was the I real motive. Back- <laughs> <laughs> I need to go back and delete all the... Elian Gonzalez is hot right now. <laughs> I mean, we did have you at the top of the very first podcast last week endorsing a number of conspiracy theories. So I think you're fine. Yeah. 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 Donald is also in a festive mood. Today, he is pardoning the traditional Thanksgiving turkey. The White House has put a poll on Twitter asking which of two turkeys should be spared, corn or cob. Uh, I tried to see who won, but the White House had taken the tweet down. Um, I thought maybe because they thought this was callous, but I am no, it's just it was done, I guess, because this isn't the first time the White House has used an election to determine which turkey is victorious. So in 2018, Trump called out the losing turkey for losing the contest and failing to concede. Let's listen. 
The winner of this vote was decided by a fair and open election conducted on the White House website. This was a fair election. Unfortunately, Carrots refused to concede and demanded a recount, and we're still fighting with Carrots. And I will tell you, we've come to a conclusion. Carrots, I'm sorry to tell you, the result did not change. <laughs> it's too bad for Carrots. Too bad for Carrots. <laughs> it's also, like, I mean, not to do a Trump is orange joke, but one could <laughs> refer to Donald Trump as Carrots. <laughs> Honestly, like, it would be funny if, the past month didn't happen or oh, like, know. you know, people give him praise because he's like funny or like he has comedic timing. I do say like after Michael Cohen was, <laughs> timing, <laughs> this, is said, this is the funniest thing he tweeted. Like if you're looking for a lawyer, I do not suggest Michael <laughs> Cohen. <laughs> that one was pretty funny. That was funny. And I'm like, yes. yeah, dude, you could have just like had your little road show shit. Like, if you didn't kill 250,000 people. He can be funny sometimes. It's fun. It, that is always the thing that I point to, that I'm like, that's the genuinely the funniest thing he's ever said. <laughs> Absolutely. At the end when he goes, too bad for carrots. That's funny. Too bad for carrots I think is it's funny. Only, but it's especially funny thinking of him as being carrots. Too bad for carrots. And like, him calling Marco Rubio little Marco was also funny. That is very funny. Low energy Jeb was pretty funny. Too. Low energy Jeb was funny. Little Marco is objectively very funny. And tweeting, no one should hire Michael Cohen was really funny. Yeah. Like, I think it's funny that he called Ted Cruz's wife ugly because she's not. She's like regular a normal lady. woman. Yeah. She's not ugly at all. And, also, and even if she was like, bro, come on. Uh, look at you. Yeah, God. Yeah. It's like he could have just been an entertainer. <sighs> he could have just been an entertainer. Yeah. Also, I want to hat tip uh, Andrew Kaczynski on Twitter who resurfaced that clip this morning. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. I want to take it back to Emily Murphy because I actually think that one of the reasons she waited to do this so long is because she thought Trump would make fun of her 
on Twitter and just be, be mean or be a bully. But Emily Murphy has finally signed the letter ascertaining that Joe Biden will become the next president. Murphy wrote a long letter of basically just self-justifying nonsense about why she waited, including that she had to wait for legal battles to play out. She added that she came to her decision to ascertain independently. However, minutes later, Donald Trump tweeted that he had authorized Emily to make the statement to allow protocols to begin in the best interests of our country, but also that he won. I mean, if I were her, I hate signing things. You got to download DocuSign. You run out of free trial. Like it's a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass. Um, but it's it's happened. We're here. I'm wondering, like, when when we get these new, I feel like three, Biden wins three times a day. That it's the joke that Biden has won so much is like starting to get old. Have these like repeated waves of victory? Do they feel good? Do they feel bad? How are we feeling 17 days after Election Tuesday? Um, I was so like on when Biden won. Me and Elise hung out. We drank and then had a party. I'm like. It'd be cool if we did that every day. <laughs> every time. We need it. We it was the best day. It. Yeah, it was yeah. the best day. So if if we celebrated like that every time, you know, whatever, like Georgia, whatever, you know, yeah. what I mean? and like that would be fun. But at this point, it's just really showing that, you know, Facebook really damaged a lot of people. Right. Like, like, like the misinformation really damaged. Like all these things are getting re- Per, like resurface and this and that and it's still not enough for 70 percent of people that voted for trump believe that it's like not real or what it's like crazy what's it's crazy, crazy to me is that fox news is now not enough for people like fox news has yeah. lost viewership and now people are going to these places that like probably expose the problem with like coastal elites it's like i never heard of rambler or whatever it is i gotta mm-hmm. i don't know what these things are and now they're all over there Newsmax. Newsmax in their weird echo chambers. Newsmax sounds like a totally normal, legitimate publication that I'm sure people will come across and be like, this isn't Fox News. This is fine. No, it's actually like Fox News is like evil offspring. It's like even worse. Yeah, it's, I feel like watching the results come in of these various lawsuits or like, Michigan certifying the results and stuff. I get like heartened by that. Like I was worried going into this phase, the transition phase that Trump would have more success than he's having. So watching him have absolutely none and like basically every Republican one by one being forced to admit that he's conceding. I'm taking, uh, I'm allowing myself to take a little slow satisfaction in that every day when I read, when I pick up my morning paper and see yet another lawsuit has been lost. Yeah, it just, it just reminds me like, I looked today and it was like, Biden beat Trump by 7 million votes. And if it was any closer in these like battleground states, like Trump could have been more successful and that was scary. But also like, it's reaffirming in that, like, I saw me and all my friends and, like, my community really go to bat. Everyone was talking about voting, everyone. So it's, like, cool to see, like, the proof of it, you yeah. know? But at the same time, it's, like, do we have to do this for every election to, like, be successful? And then also, like, it's scary that he could have won, mm-hmm. you know, if it was just the margin was a little, like, less obvious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Public facing, I know, because I've encountered some like friends or acquaintances who are like, oh, it was really close, right? 
And outwardly, I try to reframe it for them. It's like, no, it wasn't. You can't go around saying that. It wasn't close. Like, you know, I just have people that I know were like Obama, Romney, Trump, like maybe didn't vote for Trump, maybe didn't vote, but they're like, Mm -hmm. Biden doesn't have a mandate. Yes, he does. What are you talking about? He has won by 7 million votes. That is abnormal. But then sort of privately or like in the podcast, like like you said, Millie, that was, had this been a little closer, we would have been screwed. And now like future despots know that they have all of this runway and all of these options and how far they can try to take it. Like yesterday, Michigan certified its results. And we should never have gotten to a point where we were all watching a weird live stream of four randos in Michigan deciding hoping that at least one would decide, one Republican would decide to honor the results of an election. Like it should never have gotten to this stage. I know it's like kind of fun to celebrate how we've all gotten such a fun civics lesson, but it's like we should never have had to know all this shit ever. Yeah. The fact that like average Americans know all of this stuff about like the certification process, ultimately, yeah, we probably should know that stuff, but it's pretty crazy how it's become like vitally necessary because you need to understand how your state certification board works because we can't trust that they're going to do what they're supposed to do. Right. Why were there even all of these steps to begin with when we could just have a popular vote and then you can take the electors out of the equation altogether and not worry about okay, we got to keep going a month and make sure nothing absolutely insane happens. Exactly. All of this could be avoided if we didn't have this convoluted system that makes no sense where Mm -hmm. a person can win by 7 million votes, but it can also, in another way, still be close because ultimately the election is fought in these tiny margins in individual states. Yeah. And so, I mean... Obviously, happy every day that Joe Biden won, feeling more and more confident every day that he will be happily and successfully inaugurated on January 20th. (laughs) I feel pretty good about that as well. But there's so much in the system that needs to be fixed that got us to this point. And going through this weird process with the transition has just continued to show that, like, the way we're running our elections does not. Mm-hmm. It yeah. d- does not a democracy make. <laughs> like, and as much as this is all of these things that have happened in the past, you know, three weeks are like, they're a big warning sign to us as mm-hmm. Democrats. They're a playbook for Republicans that yes. want to try this next time. So we're all going to be spending the next couple of years theorizing, like they're going to be thinking how to take advantage of the current system and ho- next time maybe be successful. Well, we have to figure out how to make it safer or just right. get rid of it completely. Um, So speaking of the transition, Emily Murphy's letter triggers the official transition process by which Biden and his team can access about $6.3 million in federal funding for office space and to hire and those .gov emails. Last (laughs) night, the first thing Biden tweeted was buildbackbetter.gov. It was really cute. I love that. You got that. I didn't realize. Oh, I didn't get it. Yeah, I didn't get it. I'm like, why is he? Putting I didn't his realize that that is part of the getting the transition is that you get that dot gov. Yeah, <laughs> that sweet sweet dot gov address. I knew he was hype. I knew they were talking about um, him getting the POTUS yes. Twitter handle. Twitter will oh. officially give him the POTUS handle on January 20th. That one's gonna That's feel true. great. I know. But oh, so wait, so when Donald Trump tweets, it's, it's his though. It's his personal Twitter account, right? He usually he does all his crazy tweets from his personal account. Mm. So unfortunately, he will still have that. But I did read a thing that they said that 
he'll no longer be like, like his really fucked up tweets will no longer be protected by being newsworthy because he's not the president anymore. Because right now they like leave his weird stuff up and just put the like, this yeah, right. false <laughs> disclaimer because he's like quote unquote newsworthy and like that's why he needs to stay but he will no longer be newsworthy <laughs> the warnings that they add to trump just get on twitter just get more and more desperate and just basically show how you shouldn't show the tweets it's like this tweet is completely factually inaccurate and has no business yeah. being up flag <laughs> this tweet like is dangerous yeah. this is I a dangerous like, tweet yeah i feel like they're not even saying they're saying like this can be disputed but it, they're not really saying like it would be even better if they had like a link to an article that or like something that disproved, but like, God forbid, social media platform do the right thing. Yeah. Um, it's also kind of at the point where it's the president of the United States and there's the disclaimer is on every single thing he's saying. It's like, maybe this isn't newsworthy anymore and maybe we shut this account down. Like maybe if you tweet 15 things that were flagged for inaccuracy about a presidential election in a row, you right. get suspended from Twitter. Like you can get suspended from Twitter for a lot of other less yeah, heinous I, crimes. I think there should be a 50 strike rule at least. <laughs> yeah. You can get suspended from Twitter for saying like men are trash. So yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. At least I just, I don't agree. I feel like consequences for your actions like that's like what are, what are we living in we live in america we don't do that i know you're right it's very european of me yeah very european <laughs> uh, uh, so speaking of people with new.gov emails Biden did a ton of onboarding yesterday, announced a number of cabinet nominations. We talked about a few in the podcast yesterday. We mentioned Antony Blinken, who I absolutely called Anthony. I'm sorry. It's Antony Blinken. Um, we mentioned him, but since then I learned a little bit more about him. He will be one of the first cabinet officials to be raising toddlers while in office, and he has a band called A Blinken. Oh, so, my God. <laughs> boring old guy that I – that's all I want. I love – yeah. A Blinken. It's perfect. But yeah. like spelled like his name. Yeah, this morning they had 57 fans on Spotify. Oh. Yeah. That's precious. Can Is you it imagine? like a cover band or like what kind of music? Um, it's not a cover band, but it's like a, a band that plays at weddings, but they don't play covers. I think they do originals. <laughs> In addition to some covers, okay. which is weird because you never hire a wedding band to do originals no. unless they're like you two. You two. Okay, well, I'm hiring, hiring Abe wedding? Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, we both are hiring Abe Lincoln for our weddings now. So. Yeah, can, can can Anthony Blinken go on cameo in the in the transition <laughs> period? I would I would love that. Let's get into some of the historic ones. Some of the first. Biden also announced his Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, who will be the first Latino and immigrant to run the Department of Homeland Security. He's a Cuban-American immigrant. What? what? Yes. Yeah, somebody, uh, I think Guy Brandon tweeted, like, uh, they, they hired a Cuban Jew uh, just to show that they still care about the Florida vote. <laughs> <laughs> it was Which very I think funny. Is interesting. Yeah, interesting. I just want to say... As a Cuban-American, it is nice to have a Cuban in government who is not Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio <laughs> or Alex Acosta, the guy who got, who made a That's, deal with oh, Jeffrey Epstein. no. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually really nice. Um, I think it's really cool. I mean, he's a Cuban-American immigrant, which I think it's very – it's cool to have an immigrant leading the DHS, yeah. which is – charge of our immigration policy 
they're in charge of what goes on at the border. I know, like, obviously there's a lot of different Latinos from mostly Central America at our border, but there's also a lot of Cubans at the border. And Mm. so to have someone, I don't know what his, like, immigrant, like, what his story is, how Mm. he got here or whatever, but to have someone who's been through the immigration process and who can probably see themselves in some of the people who are being affected, Mm -hmm. like, that's a huge deal. Right. Yeah, I'm curious to know what, because under Obama, like, we really um, loosened a lot of these sanctions. and I mean, I think we still had sanctions, but at least in terms of tourism, we were able to yes. g- like go back and forth between Cuba and the U.S. So I'm really curious to see how the Biden administration is going to deal with that and what, what this guy is going to do in terms of, of Cuban-American relations. That's always super interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really symbolic for him to pick a... Latino to head the DHS. Like, I think he was trying to make us, it seems like, and we're going to talk about a bunch of these picks, but it seems like he's trying to install a lot of firsts and whatever. We love that. Uh, But it feels particularly symbolic to pick a, an immigrant and a Latino to head this specific department. At this specific time too, I think, I mean, at any time it would have been appropriate, but yeah, I feel like, this is like, you know, just my, I feel like he's definitely making statements. I feel like it's so interesting to see the future of the Democrat, the Democratic Party, like how multiracial and multi, you know, and how that's happened really over the, like, not like 10 years, Yeah. Like how quickly we've progressed. But I also do see on the flip side, which Marco Rubio was saying, like, that I feel like the GOP will start, um, I don't know. You know, to me, it's like, I feel like a lot more people of color would vote conservative if they weren't so outwardly racist, you know? So I'm interested (laughs) to see what the GOP does in terms of how they're going to embrace a multi-ethnic conservative base, which I feel like they are already doing. And you are starting to see that pop up, you know, everywhere. And I feel like even with their appointing of women and stuff, like, it's, it's very interesting to see where the future of the Republican Party goes. And, you know, right now they're cheating, you know, to win. Yeah. But, like, if they embrace that, like, will they need to cheat? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I think they will because, you know, their policies are not popular. And it's still the same bullshit, but just, like, a black face instead of, you know, white. But it's just interesting to see. Yeah. That. We've also already, like, we're already used to the the game being rigged that we can still, we're still ahead of them, even though they have, they have a head start and that they, they cheat because yeah. they've been supporting this man who was like main political fortune is tied to racism, which has kept them from <laughs> endorsing the idea of equality, which has kept them from broadening their coalition. It's going to be so interesting to see what the Republican party does for the next two years, like before the next midterm election, like what path, does the party take to try to win again or whatever? Like I, I just really, obviously also Donald Trump is not going anywhere. Like he's going to keep leading a faction of the party. So he's still going to be like, they're still going to have to deal with him. We just won't have to deal with him, which Mm. is so wonderful. That's so great. (laughs) Like, he's going to cause problems for mostly them at this point because he's just going to lead his wing of the party. 
and like any like it, it'll be really interesting to see how they deal with that yeah they have to continue to be like up his ass but without the benefit of him being the president exactly yeah i'm curious to see because he has a lot of legal cases waiting for him especially in new york city or in new york and um, Letitia James, mm-hmm. uh, I'm obsessed with her. She's the yeah. attorney general of New York City. She's the one who's like brought down the NRA. You know, she's like, it has nothing to do with gun rights. They're just like not using money properly. Mm-hmm. And like, she has like 20 cases against him. Yep. So I kind of feel like it can go two ways. It can be like, he can be this huge headache for Republicans. Cause like, he'll always lead his thing. Or like, he's going to go down for all this shit and not have all these people that were like, up his ass are like not are gonna just yeah. in Spanish they say sacarlo pie like just stop mm-hmm. fucking whatever like 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 pull away pull back yeah because um they don't have to anymore because he has no pa- so you know for me because people are like when Trump had COVID everyone's like oh I hope he does like I'm like <laughs> I don't I want to see him get consequences for all this stuff that you know and yeah. his kids and all that like crazy yeah. Yeah. Yes, I would like to see there be legal proceedings as well. Absolutely. There must be. We, and, we yeah. There has to be a commission. Sammy can lead it. Yeah. <laughs> also, some other cool picks. So Avril Haynes was tapped to lead the Department of National Intelligence. She would be the first woman to hold the highest rank in the intelligence community. That's even higher than Gina Haspel, who runs the CIA right now. Janet Yellen will head the Treasury Department. She is the first. She would become, all these people have to be uh, Senate confirmed. She would become the first woman in the Treasury's 231-year history to lead the department. Cue wait for it from Hamilton. Mm-hmm. She's basically the most experienced person on these matters the country has ever had. She'll be the first person to have been the chief White House economist and the head of both the Treasury and the Fed Reserve. Um, I just w- thought of like what it was like when Biden asked her. Do you think she was like, who, me? I, I, just oh. can't, I didn't see this coming. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, when I heard about the pick, obviously it's not like I was a huge, I knew Janet Yellen's name, but um, it just once again goes to show like it's a historic pick, but it's also like we're in a really serious economic situation and we need someone who knows how this shit works and mm. we need someone who knows it from the top down and who's kind of been there before. And so it's yeah. really hard to imagine a better pick and also. We don't know. Obviously, we still don't know what kind of Senate Joe Biden's actually going to be playing with. Hopefully, <sighs> we won't have to worry about anything, and we will win both runoffs in Georgia. But if not, who knows what kind of game Mitch McConnell is going to be playing with some of these appointments, but it's pretty hard to mount a campaign against not confirming the first woman and also someone this qualified to the Treasury position. Right. Exactly. Especially because some of these picks, you know, they're not like, these aren't progressive heroes necessarily. I mean, Janet Yellen Mm -hmm. is dope and has an awesome career. I can see her maybe getting an RBG sheen, but maybe not without Mm -hmm. Trump as an antagonist. One selection Biden hasn't announced yet, but is likely, I can see this one maybe changing because people are reacting strongly to it, is Michelle Flournoy. She would be the first female secretary of defense the Pentagon's top job. So that was the plan. She was like definitely going to be the Secretary of Defense in 2016 when we all thought Hillary would win. 
When Trump selected Jim Mattis to lead the Defense Department, he actually asked Flournoy to be his deputy, Mattis did, and she declined at the time. So she would be a bit more controversial, basically because these are these are the people that run wars and want to mm. get in wars. That's their job. And most mm -hmm. liberals do not support wars. I don't mm. know how you I, I don't know a lot about this topic, so I'm sure there are better picks that people were actually enthusiastic about. Mm. She was one of Obama's more hawkish advisors. She was a proponent of measures that would have probably escalated uh, the war in Afghanistan. She serves on the board of Booz Allen Hamilton. I mean, I was reading a piece about this that just asked, frankly, like, is it feminist to drop bombs on other women? And when you yeah. start wars, <laughs> you're dropping bombs in other countries where women live. And that's not feminism. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, it's this whole thing of, you know, feminism at what cost? Like, this whole this whole thing of, okay, yeah, we get women in the room, but if you're not really going to represent or push forward or you're just going to be – and I feel like that was kind of the generational divide between, like, a Hillary – Versus like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm here and I'm a woman, but I had to fight and like do what the boys do and sometimes even do it harder and rough, like rougher and like prove myself. Drop even, even more, more bombs. Yeah. To, to show that I'm not like this delicate person where I feel like more modern, I'd like to think like more like uh, modern women and modern feminists who are like, in the business world or whatever, don't feel like they have to live up to this, this male standard. So so yeah, it's just kind of like, okay, cool that you're a woman. If you're like pushing forward the same shit, like it doesn't matter. Yeah, it is. I I think to your point, it feels a little like I, I'm happy to have the first woman to be doing d different jobs. I think challenging what women's roles in the military can be mm. is important and and necessary. But it's also like part of the reason why it's awesome to get women into positions of power is because they bring in a different mindset. And mm -hmm. if you're someone who, if you're a woman who's just going to go in power and be like, I do it just like the boys do it. And I'm one of the, like, if you're going to be a, I, I'm actually not like other girls, like right. <laughs> person in charge. It's like, that's not really what I'm looking for. So like, is it a feminist victory in a way, but does that mean she's necessarily going to like, govern with as a woman or mm -hmm. come into it with a feminist mindset probably not yeah like she could be one of those who's like i don't like girls there's too much drama but it's like yeah you start bitch you start wars that's drama yeah. that's starting drama <laughs> well that, that was the whole thing with amy coney barrett right and like also like this whole idea of conservative feminism which I feel like Ivanka Trump will be the leader of very soon. It's like, I'm, you know, I, it's feminist because I'm a woman and I'm in charge of things, but literally ignoring every other part of, and I mean, people have these conversations all the time with people of color. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, like, a, you know, if you're going to be here, but you want to be the only person in the room or you're not going to push forward any agendas that help other people, then, you know, we might as well have a white person there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting yeah. where our politics will be going because we will have more conversations like this for sure. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. interesting that we never had, it's like, it has taken so long to, for women to get in these positions that we sort of missed the time when it would have been most rewarding because now 
women have sort of not been in the, the top positions everywhere, but we've been in the room for a long time and have had opportunities to make names for ourselves and make mistakes and have complicated reputations. So yeah, you get to a point where I can't really imagine anyone that a, a president-elect would choose to lead the Pentagon whose whose background I would be like, that's dope because you don't pick pacifists, I would guess, to lead the Pentagon. A Biden presidency doesn't. Like if True. we had got like a True. really progressive person in office, then maybe they would make a big departure with their, you know, Pentagon pick or with some of the like defense picks and stuff like that. And like someone, if someone got elected on a principle of like pacifism, like a Bernie type candidate Mm -hmm. who like is really outspoken about that stuff, maybe we'd see that. But like Joe Biden, that's not what he's here to do. And he's certainly not here to like significantly shake up U.S. foreign policy. I think he's trying to stabilize U.S. foreign policy for better or for worse. So it makes sense to me that he would pick like a hawkish woman. So he can be like, look here, it's a woman. That's so fun. But also she's not going to do anything different. And it's like a stability pick and all that. Right. And as you're saying that, it's making me think that what's cool about some of these picks is that they are the top of the list anyway. And they just happen to be either non-white or they happen to be women. And it's like, Michelle Flournoy seemed to be at the top of the list no matter what. So is yeah. it also fair to hold her gender against her and be like, well, she's too hawkish for awards. Like she was mm. the top of the list no matter what. He wasn't like, Biden wasn't thinking, I got to pick a woman who's gentle enough. He was just trying to pick mm. the person and that was her. Others who will join the administration are Linda Thomas-Greenfield. She will be the UN ambassador. This looks to be a pick to really, I mean, especially through impeachment, we heard a lot about how just devastated our foreign service was and just how morale was so low. And she is a 35-year veteran of the foreign service. She's basically been ambassador to like a ton of countries. Biden will restore this to a cabinet level job. She is, all of the women I listed so far are white. She, Linda Thomas-Greenfield is black. And John Kerry is back at climate czar and Jake Sullivan will be national security advisor. So I think I said this on the podcast yesterday, but it's shaping up to be like a boring season of Homeland. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, again, just like all of these picks are basically like stability picks, like just people who don't need any onboarding paperwork because we may or may not get (laughs) (laughs) people who just like can start on day one, getting things back to a normal place. Like we're really, you know, it can be disappointing as a progressive Mm. to see like, to not really feel like things are moving forward in a policy way. Like obviously he's picking historic people. So things are, there is symbolic progress that's being made. And I think there's value to that too, but it can be disappointing as a progressive to be like, Oh, he's not like making all these big shiny, like whatever. He's not, he hasn't put, he didn't make Elizabeth Warren, the treasury secretary. He didn't like, you know, make Bernie secretary of defense or whatever, you know, (laughs) that would have been great. (laughs) I would have been, that certainly would have been an interesting situation (laughs) and an interesting confirmation process. But (laughs) But when I look at what he's putting together, the one thing that does make me feel good is I'm like, oh, it really seems like the focus is on just getting us back to some form of stability and normalcy while we're in this like pandemic and this kind of like 
insane sort of downward spiral that is happening. Yeah. yeah, I think that's like a good point because for me, like, again, I, I totally feel, I totally agree. It's like kind of disappointing or you want someone more, but then just hearing how, you know, like just reading about Cori Bush, who mm-hmm. um, is just starting her first um, session, I guess. Yeah. And just like, wow, I have no suits and I have no this. And I, and I'm like, you know, and she has that like real world experience that we want in, in Congress, but then, yeah, like she's going to have a learning curve. So it's like with these big positions, you know, and I've heard rumors that, you know, the whole like conceding or like all that shit is like kind of to buy time because they were doing shit so messed up for so yeah. long. It's like trying to buy time to cover up all this stuff. And you kind of need somebody who can hit the ground running, know what it's supposed to be like and all this stuff and is not going to have a learning curve. I mean, you know, that's not a good enough excuse to like never... um high like get more progressive people or people with no like background in politics but at the same time i can i see like yeah we it was so unstable we were so like messed up in all these different ways so much incompetency that we need something like more stable and i think sam rudy on twitter was like you know the 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 four seasons total landscaping thing (laughs) was so ridiculous but it just showed that like the coronavirus thing wasn't personal or intentional. They just would have fucked up. They fuck up everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Like, that was like, oh, yeah. Like, no wonder. Like, anything that would have happened, they would have made it worse. I just keep thinking about, like, any member of the Biden administration just opening up, like, their laptop on the first day to look through and be like, okay, so what have these guys been doing? And just being like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is this? It doesn't make any sense. Like, it's going to take it's going to take career politicians as unsexy as that sounds to like get in there and figure out what the hell has been going on in there. Yeah. I imagine these people are like the friend that you have and they come over and you're like, I need, I have all these necklaces that you have to untangle and they just do it. And then like two hours later, they haven't made a peep and suddenly they're like, here are your beautiful unraveled necklaces. Let me know what else you need. Yes. And I think that's what we all need right now. Yeah, no, it's totally like they, they fucked up the house or they like they like fucked up. They're like it's like risky business in that White House right now, which I thought risky business was just like a teen party movie and there were like there was like hookers in there like it was yeah. a crazy thing. It was like insane. But that's what's going on right now in that in the White House is they risky business. Risky business, they mess shit up. <laughs> it's quite a sight to behold, and we'll be watching it and breaking it down until the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to Sup at Betches.com. Betches.